Hello, my name is Joshua Patty, and I'm privileged to serve as the regional minister in the Christian Church in the Upper Midwest, serving alongside congregations and ministers in Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And on their behalf, I bring you greetings in the name of Jesus this day. Greetings from our colleagues, our fellow disciples across these four states. Of course, it's a little ironic that I bring you greetings, given that I haven't met most of them yet. Now, some of that is because I'm new to the position. This is the end of four months on the job. But more than that, it's been a weird four months, just like it's been a weird year. I've met very few people face-to-face. -face. I've met some through Zoom calls and conversations, so I do know some faces and names, but otherwise, there have been a lot of email exchanges, a handful of phone calls, lots of prayers, and worshiping, well, like we are today. Sharing in the same spirit, but in different places, and maybe even joining together at different times, using technology, watching and participating through the internet and a screen. I know that can make our community seem very disjointed, disconnected. We might even wonder if we're a part of, part of a community at all doing such things. After all, it's not the way we've always done them. But I think that we shortchange the good ministry that we have done over these preceding months if we think that this is just some short-term aberration. Now, mind you, I don't think this is going to continue forever. And I just mean that I think it's important for us to value the work that we are doing together in these different adaptive ways. And we need to learn to say why we're doing them. And we shouldn't be so worried about whether community exists when most of our time we're looking at a screen. Because over the last hundred years, we have lots of examples of community existing because of people looking at screens. This past Sunday, a week ago, I watched two football games with my wife, the second of which we cheered on her hometown team, the Kansas City Chiefs, as they made their spot and earned their spot in next week's Super Bowl. I can count on one hand the number of football games, professional football team games, I've attended in person. But I've watched way more than that on TV and through the internet and followed them through news reporting, sports reporting, the internet, even listened to a handful over the years on the radio. I've become part of a rabid fan base. Now, I'm from Indianapolis, so I tend to root for the Colts when it comes to football, though I am happy for Patrick Mahomes, Coach Andy Reid, and the rest of the team in Kansas City, and I'll be rooting for them next week. Along with how many millions of others who've never set foot in the stadium in Kansas City, but who follow along in other ways. Even more than that, in my time in Kansas City, I became a very loyal, avid Kansas City Royals fan. I love baseball. It takes a lot of patience to follow baseball. 
Not just are the games long, but the season is very long. 162 regular season games. It's quite an investment to follow a team from spring training all the way through the postseason. But I bring up baseball because they learned, even before the rest of the sports leagues, how to involve fans who couldn't be in the ballparks watching each and every one of those games. Yes, they, they relied a lot on sports reporters before there were radio broadcasts, TV broadcasts, and the internet. But even more than that, they created something that we still have on sports, sports pages today, across sports, by the way, the box score. You could follow a team from anywhere in the country if you had access to the sports pages, and they printed the box scores from the game. A succinct representation of those two-and-a-half-hour games. So that even though you weren't there in person, you could follow the ups and downs of your favorite team throughout the season. You could be part of that, I dare say, community. Connected with fans, supporters, rooting, bemoaning, questioning, across the country, even if you never set foot in a ballpark. Now, that's a lengthy sports analogy, but it's not just sports either that where, where screens can tie us together and make us a community. A week and a half ago, we witnessed, many of us, the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States. And I don't think any of us were there in Washington, D.C. in person. But a lot of us could watch it. My wife and I watched it delayed <laughs> because of our schedules that Wednesday, about an hour behind the actual events. But we watched it and participated all the same. And how many other events in our nation's history can we say that we joined together because we sat around television screens and listened to radio broadcasts of events as they were happening. Two weeks before inauguration, the protest turned violent and lawless insurrection. 9-11 this week marked the, let me do the math in my head, the 35th anniversary of the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger. I remember where I was when I heard that news. The assassination of President Kennedy. The sudden attack on the United States naval forces in Pearl Harbor. And so many more. These are things that have tied us together. And very few of us were eyewitnesses on the ground, but we watched and heard through technology, through screens. Some of us have even watched and heard years after the fact. And so we know the stories of what happened and how people reacted. That's what this account in the book of Joshua is reminding us of this morning. It's a story of what happened when Joshua led the people 
into the promised land, led the Hebrews across the River Jordan. And God stilled the waters as God had pushed back the waters at the Red Sea. And the Hebrews walked through, walked across on dry land. And Joshua instructed a leader from each of the tribes to place a stone on a pile. Twelve stones altogether. So that in the years to come, the children could see those stones and wonder what the significance of that place was. And those around them could tell them, well, that is where our ancestors crossed through the River Jordan on dry land because God stilled the waters and brought us into this land. It happened there. Those stones could help to tell the story. Tell the story that would bind that people together as a new nation, one that would eventually be called by their namesake, Israel, Israelites. Oh, for a generation or two, there were people who lived in the promised land who had walked across the dry land. They didn't need to be reminded of that story. They had lived it. But eventually, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren, well, they'd only heard stories. Stories of a distant time where their ancestors were slaves in Egypt and how God had brought them out of bondage and guided them for 40 years through the wilderness, leading them, giving them Torah, a law, raising up leaders, defeating enemies, providing for them manna in the wilderness and water where there was none, and somehow creating them into a people. A people who could inhabit and govern themselves in the promised land. And the story that we read this morning is part of a collection that was edited centuries later by leaders in the Jewish temple to help people understand the story of why they were one people and how God had been present in the lives of their ancestors and how God was present in their lives that day. This lengthy story of what happened in the wilderness for 40 years. We have lots of details about those 40 years. We don't have a lot of details about decades and decades of worship in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. That wasn't the story they told. It wasn't the story of, of how God made them into a people. It was this aberration of time, this time that they were working so hard to leave behind that created the formative stories that they told one another about why they were one people and how they recognized God's presence leading them in their midst. Even more, sometimes they told stories about how God had made them different from some other people so that they would behave differently, they would live differently, they would worship differently, they would treat others around them differently because of God's presence and leadership 
in their midst. Because of these formative years out of bondage, through the wilderness, crossing through on dry land, the Red Sea, the River Jordan, before inhabiting and conquering the Promised Land. What are the stories that we will tell others of this past year? Because it's very important that we do tell stories of this past year and some of the months yet to come. It's important that we tell people why we've done the things that we have done. Why we have continued to worship together in this way. To support the ministry of the church financially. To pray for one another. To reach out, even with physical distancing, to the least among us, to those who are ostracized and forgotten, to those who desperately need love and support during these challenging days. I hope that we'll talk about the presence of God in the midst of our community and how we've been inspired to reach out with love and compassion and generosity and hope. I hope we'll tell stories about how we found new ways to pray, to invite prayer requests, and to include others in our communal prayers. I hope we'll find ways to identify how we've become more generous, or at least how we've lived our generosity out in new ways these past few months. I hope we'll tell the story of why we've done these things. Because it's the why that makes us more fully, more faithfully into God's community. It was the why that Joshua wanted people to tell the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the people who walked across the River Jordan on dry land. It was that why that he wanted those kids, some of whom he'd never meet, to understand. Because it would make them better people, more faithful followers of the God who had led their ancestors through the wilderness on dry land through the River Jordan. The same God who leads you and me. I imagine later this service we will gather again at Christ's table and we'll tell that story. The story of how Jesus provided God's love for all of humanity, represented in broken bread and a shared cup that somehow across time and place binds all of the followers of Jesus together into one body, nurturing us, guiding us, offering us forgiveness, offering us hope, offering us love, offering us peace. May it be so, not just this day, but all the days to come.